Episode 79, How to Be the Change You Want to See in the Workplace with Jason Troy. My name is Dan Mason. In 2012, I was overweight, getting divorced, battling depression, and feeling trapped in a career where I was successful but bored and unfulfilled. And it's actually the greatest gift I've ever been given. I use my pain as a springboard to discover my life's purpose. Now, I want to share the same tools and strategies which help transform my life with you. So you can live life amplified. Love this quote from Sheryl Sandberg at Facebook. She says, true leadership stems from individuality that is honestly and sometimes imperfectly expressed. Leaders should strive for authenticity over perfection. But doesn't it seem like sometimes we go to work in an environment where the boss is trying to be some cookie cutout of what he or she believes should be a true leader? And it just trickles down to the employees. So many people tell me they feel like a paid liar every day going to work and Certainly at my last corporate job that I took in 2014, once that honeymoon period wore off after about eight months, I sat down with my boss at the time who was just sort of like this, you know, look, well-meaning little Southern guy, receding hairline. You know, he wasn't a bad guy, but he looked at me one day. He's like, you know, buddy, I'm not telling you that you can't be yourself, but, and as soon as I heard but, I was like, here it is. He's going to tell me I have to change who I am in order to survive. But this becomes the problem. You know, to give you another quote from Simon Sinek, he says, customers will never love a company until the employees love it first. So, so much of this is how do we walk into work every day, A, doing work that we love in an environment where we're truly connected to our coworkers and we can express ourselves fully and authentically? Well, my guest this week is going to help us answer the questions on how we can do it and how we can take it upon ourselves to change the company culture, regardless whether or not you're a manager. Jason Troy is the chief people officer and a culture and leadership expert. He helps leaders, managers, and HR professionals build high-performing cultures and teams with unbreakable connection, extreme scrappiness, and the ability to have courageous conversations. Over the last 15 years in leadership, he's worked with game changers like Steve Jobs, Reed Hastings from Netflix, and Mark Cuban. He's also the creator of a team-building game called Cards Against Mundanity that more than 20,000 employees have used to significantly improve teamwork, trust, and team closeness within minutes. It's an amazing conversation. I really love connecting with Jason today. In this conversation, some of the things we'll discuss are how you can become the change you want to see at work instead of waiting for management to create it for you. We'll talk about the power of vulnerable sharing at work and how to build an environment where people feel comfortable to open up. He's going to tell us the right questions you can ask to build real connection and an open environment with your co workers. He's going to talk to us about the number one factor that builds a strong work culture. We'll talk about why teamwork in the office is more important to productivity than self-awareness. And he'll explain how we can create our own user manual that can help you and the people you work with build better communication. You can find him online, jasontroy.com, jasontreu.com. And if you're loving the conversation, be sure to screenshot the podcast, upload it to Instagram, let Jason and I know you're listening. You can tag me at CSC Dan Mason and you can tag Jason at Jason True. 
T-R-E-U. Don't forget, still a couple weeks left for you to get in the running to win that brand new pair of Apple AirPods or a $150 Amazon gift card. The only thing you have to do is, if you're loving this episode, leave us an honest review up on Apple or whatever platform you're listening to. And before you click submit, take a screenshot and email it to me, dan at creativesoulcoaching.net. For every new review we get, I'm going to make a donation that will help feed 165 people through Feeding America. Plus, every entry goes in the running for that grand prize for the Apple AirPods, so you can have a more amplified experience listening to the podcast every week. But from the bottom of my heart, uh, I appreciate you being part of this community and your reviews, your kind words. uh, Just help us with the algorithm and help us get this message in front of more people. In the meantime, if you love your work but just want a better work environment, you're going to learn how to create it this week as we get Amplified with Jason Troy. Jason Troy, welcome to Life Amplified, my man. Hey, well, thanks for having me on the show and speaking to your fantastic tribe. It's interesting because you and I talk about a lot of the same research. We talk about a lot of the same data, and it's staggering. Two-thirds of people are disengaged at their job in the United States, and globally, the number's up over 85%. But a lot of the conversations that I've had on this podcast in the past is for the people, it's not even that they hate their job, but they hate their career. They got into the wrong vocation. And and how do we steer them in the direction of their purpose? But one of the things that I think you're going to really be able to speak to today is for the people who they like what they're doing. They don't necessarily want to go out and start an entrepreneurship, but there's some things going on in the office. They don't feel valued. They don't feel connected. It's getting in the way of their experience. So the question is, obviously, what the hell do we do about that? (laughs) You know, I think, and I think that question is on the minds of every CEO. It's on the minds of every head of human resources at the largest companies having this conversation. And what you're doing is you're seeing people just try almost anything, right? I mean, if you look at Zappos, you can look at all the crazy things that they have tried in the last several years to really jumpstart their company and head it in the right direction. And it's in an, essentially it's the wild, wild west. Because what you're seeing now is companies, and it's still on the early side of this, but at a large level, they're starting to look at KPIs, profit, revenue, and any of the financial metrics you want to go with is equating to connection, belonging, impact, psychological safety, vulnerability, teamwork, right? But they don't know how to create that, right? And they know that culture executes strategy, but the problem is, is that word culture is like in quotes, like what does that really mean? And how do we blend that and create that inside of our organization? And that's really where the juice is now. And so you're going to start seeing a lot of things and people talk about it that are going to be off the reservation, kind of crazy, and then people trying all this stuff. And then probably in the next five or 10 years, you're going to see people start reporting on this more. And those are the people that are going to be the leaders at whatever company size that are out there. So for the person who is listening today, and they're like, you know, 
I, I don't want to go start an entrepreneurship, but man, I hate walking into the office every day. And, and you've probably seen this as much as I have. There are plenty of leaders that are like, oh, we're, we're fostering connection and culture. We bought a ping pong table for the rec room you know, for yes. people to use on their break. There's got to be a level beyond this. And one of your key messages is really the employee also taking some responsibility for it. I think there's two conversations. We need better leadership companies, but we also need to take responsibility for how we're showing up, not just physically in the office, not, you know, taking a PTO day, but but the energy that we're bringing and the spirit that we bring into work every day. Could you talk a little bit more about what that means? Yeah, because I think the problem we're looking at it typically when you're looking at culture, teamwork, connection, creating purpose is you're waiting around for someone else to do something for it to allow you some opportunity or to doing something. And I think in life, whenever we do that, we lose control and we feel extremely vulnerable. And then that leads to paralysis by analysis. And you'll see people lacking motivation and all the rest of the things instead of being proactive and really leading the charge. And I think that you can see the data and stuff. Like if you look at, they've done studies where, if one person on the team and not the manager starts to, on a weekly basis, say something positive about other teammates in team meetings, they're looking at their production going up 30% as a whole, as an entire team with only mm-hmm. one person, right? So there's tons of other data that shows that the, a person on a team can change the entire team dynamic and that not be the manager itself. So you don't need to keep waiting around for other people in order to do that. And I think that when I looked at how would someone go about doing that, ultimately it's the same process as we do in our personal lives. And that's really through sharing, right? But it's through vulnerable sharing with other people and in groups. And when you can do that, you can create significant connections with other people that are deep and meaningful. And when you get that level of caring, that's what creates an opportunity for other people to bring out their best selves. And then that allows you to do the same thing, right? And when you can do that, that is when we do our greatest work. You know, I recently did a podcast a couple of weeks ago on this topic of vulnerability, more in personal relationships. But let's talk about it in an office setting. I know you do coaching. I do also. There are many organizations. I'll give an example from one of my clients. She had a meeting with one of the board members of the CEO of the company who came into town. And he started asking these questions like, so are you married? <laughs> and she wasn't sure what was going on at first. She's like, well, no, I'm divorced. And he looks at her and says, well, good. That means you're going to give 110% to your job. There are people out there who are afraid to self-disclose about their life, who are afraid to talk about their children. I find this a lot with my female clients because they're almost scared of like the mom penalty when it comes time for a promotion. There's a lot of men out there who are struggling to be open if they're str- you know, if, if they're having a hard time in their life to talk about that with a coworker because they're afraid that they'll be seen as weak, particularly to a male boss. It's great for us to talk about this idea of, oh, well, let's bring our most vulnerable selves into the office. 
But how do we feel safe to do that? And how do we create cultures where that's celebrated and appreciated and not penalized in corporate America? Yeah, well, I think what you have to do is get people to start sharing by asking questions, Mm -hmm. right? Instead of you leading, start to get them talking. And if you're leading the team, you have to be vulnerable and lean with it with the team because then it'll open them all up, right? And that's where you'll see performance at the highest levels happen, right, if you're leading the team. But if you're part of the team, what you have to do is start asking questions to get other people to start vulnerably sharing. And a lot of it can be done either by directly asking some questions to them, right, or You can even orchestrate it like I've created a game around this Cards Against Mundanity where you can get people to do it where they're not even really realizing that they're doing it ahead of time. They're just playing a game, so they're Mm. sharing, right? And what happens is is that all of us want to open up and share. The problem is we don't know how and we've never really taught this. And so what happens is we just do it by chance in our lives, right? We We open up and share with people at work because an experience happens, some tragedy happens, we're in some down moment and we decide to be vulnerable. But it's really more accidental than it is an operationalized or engineered or something that we do on a regular basis with everyone we deal with, right? Internal and outside the organization as a business. And that's that's the problem. So we never really experience it. And then a team, what you'll normally see is some people get along great, some people don't. And so it's just they're scattered, right? And they're little pockets. And that becomes the problem because you're not one cohesive unit. You have best friends or people that you feel like understand you, right? But then other people don't. And then we're locked in this lack of diversity of thinking, right? We just hang out with mini-me's and then all these other things start to spiral in our own lives and then we feel locked in. And I know I've seen the game, Cards Against Mundanity game, up on your website. What are some examples of questions that people could bring into the office that that foster this environment of sharing connection and belonging? Because a lot of times it's like, oh, we'll sit around the water cooler. We'll talk about the football game yesterday or, you know, have some superficial conversation about your kids, my kids. But how do we go a little bit deeper? You know, one of the research studies that I found as I was doing this thing, you know, probably four years ago, as I was doing my TED talk was I was trying to figure out, okay, well, what research studies are out there to show how, what people have done to sort of recreate the same feeling that we have when we've met someone in five or 10 minutes and we had a great conversation and we feel really close to them. Like we've known them our entire life. Right. And in that moment, we've done it in that one conversation, what usually takes 20 or 30. And so we feel this closeness, like that person is in our inner circle psychologically, but time-wise they're not. So how do we recreate that on a regular basis with people rather than having only moments throughout our lifetime where that's possible? And I saw this study by Professor Arthur Aaron in back in 1997, he was trying to do something similar and he got complete strangers or grad students together and paired them to ask questions, right? 36 questions over 45 minutes. And they were pretty vulnerable questions. And what ended up happening is 30% of the people said they created the closest relationship in their life Mm. in 45 minutes, right? So that means I could take anyone listening and go to a coffee shop and they could find a best friend. And I've done that before. And this works. And what ends up happening is you ask people questions in a compressed period of time when you actually can do the whole cycle. 
And you know more about them in that moment than you know about anyone in your life and anyone will ever ask you. So by really diving in deep, you can go and build an incredible amount of trust, closeness, belonging, and connection in the shortest period of time possible because we just don't ask anyone anything. And no one really knows us very well. Even the people we think that do really don't. And so my premise was after listening to this is what happens if you do this in a group? Because one-on-one, someone could share more than someone else, but in a group, you're going to find multiple people who you feel really close with that's going to be sharing, especially if they're answering the same question, because you'll connect on an experiential level, but also an emotional level with people, right? And that's really where the juice is on the emotional level, not even necessarily on having the same experience, but ones we can relate to. And so I decided, okay, well, there has to be questions that could start to elicit this. And after digging and testing a lot of stuff, there are questions such as, tell me about the most important lesson you've learned in the last year. Right. If you were to thank one person for becoming, you know, the person you are today, who is that person and what did they do? Right. Mm. Tell me the biggest blessing you had in disguise. Tell me about what you're most grateful for in your life today. Right. When we start asking questions like those and then we can even dig deeper and ask questions like what's your greatest achievement? When you ask people like that or you ask your boss those questions or your boss's boss, like you learn a lot about who they are as a person and no one ever asked them these questions. So it shows that you care. It shows that you're interested. And regardless of whether you even share things, you're learning about them, right? And that ultimately is more important if you don't have an opportunity to share. Now, it's great when you can share back with them. Obviously, that's important. But primarily, I look at these things as how do I learn about other people? How do I learn how they tick? about their experiences, hot buttons, and what matters to them. Because that allows me to work with them better. And if I bring out the best in them, they're going to bring out the best in me because they're going to look and say, geez, wow, Jason, you really care. Because no one asked me those questions. Even the people that are my best friends, people that I'm in life partnerships with and married to, right? But you do. So that must mean something. I need to figure out more. And, you know, it's just one of the fundamental needs that we all have is for connection. We're tribal creatures. And what's ironic is so many people are feeling disconnected at work, but it's not just a work conversation. You know, I I think Bezos was the one that was talking about it, that, you know, it's this life work continuum. If you're miserable at work, you're taking the energy home to your family. (laughs) You know, when things aren't clicking in the evening at home with the people that you love, you're bringing back that back into the office, right? Yeah, and it's and I think today there's all these pressures that weren't around before. And I think because everyone's trying to get their life in a great place and there's so many more complexities we're dealing with that the your personal life is going to impact your business life. So they're all one. And that becomes the bigger challenge today is when you don't share that and people don't know about that, you have to hide or try to compartmentalize it or put it in baggage. And and the problem with that is if people around you don't know that, they will misallocate work, they won't understand the impact, they can't support you, and then everyone actually suffers, right? So because if if a person's going through divorce and they don't tell anyone, and they're responsible for a major project, you know they're not showing up as their best. Well, you shouldn't give them the most amount of work because the thing's going to fall apart. But if that person doesn't share and there's not an environment, everyone loses on that team because their production level is hurt. 
and everything fails, right? So all this stuff impacts us and in order to work better together. And so we have to start asking each other these questions, both one-on-one in groups, right? Even doing it in terms of our clients, prospects, partners, I mean, other people, in order for us to create that bond, because ultimately it all comes down to trust, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's primarily the whole, everything is built on level of trust. I mean, it, it's, we look at a relationship and I look at that, that's really the leaf on the tree and that's the problem, right? And I used to think about it differently, but now I look at it that and the roots are trust. Mm. And you either have extreme trust, meaning on a scale of one to five, if it's not at a five, you can't have a great relationship and you cannot create your greatest work. So if you go to a job and it's not good and then you go to be an entrepreneur, well, you still have the same problem because you have to create that same trust with all these people. Because ultimately, you don't have a successful business that can scale if you don't. So if you don't figure out how to do that, the problem just shows up in a different way. Sure. It doesn't go away. Right. And that's the problem today is that people don't know how to do that and they're not equipped to do that. And companies and organizations skip over this as well. Right. Because you'll see stuff as like if you go and get hired, the onboarding process. Right. I, I saw something on LinkedIn about they went through like their onboarding process and, you know, subset 26.4 was, oh, let's do icebreakers. Right. Well, that should be point one through 26 because <laughs> like. You in, that's how you in, you integrate the employee faster on the team and you build trust. Performance goes up, happiness, satisfaction, all the, all the problems disappear, right? It, because it's people trust each other and know each other and know they can count on each other. And that integration process in time is what prevents us from doing our greatest work and hurts us in every possible way. You mentioned something that I really wanted to go back to for a second because you were t- – and this was a spinoff on what we were talking about with home and work, that how you do one thing is typically how you do all things. These situations of fear of vulnerability or hiding yourself at work or being the person who is changing who you are to please others at work, you're bringing that into other relationships in your life. One of the big reasons why I love doing executive coaching, and I know that that's a passion for you as well, because none of us are ever really taught the soft skills. You know, we go through management trainings, but it's more just about drinking the company Kool-Aid, and it's all these things about maximizing and then squeezing another drop of blood out of the stone, but none of us are really taught emotional intelligence. (laughs) No, that's a problem. And most of the trainings that people do that go through it, are really, I think, backwards too, because the problem with doing soft skill training with people in a room is if they aren't extremely vulnerable and open, then you haven't shown them the gateway on how to do that, right? It's like I heard things about empathy. Well, that's great to put yourself in someone else's shoes and we can run through all these exercises, but that also requires a level of trust and getting out of our own thinking and getting out of our own way and challenging our own beliefs and assumptions and and leaving them away. And we won't do that unless we deeply care. And you can't mimic that through a bunch of exercises. You've got to show people how to do that immediately with the people around them and create that connection level where they actually care. 
because otherwise all the rest of this stuff is just it's the same thing as hard skills training we'll show this and how it goes you know how you do this and then you can practice this and then no one does it and then no one's really good at it yeah you know one of the things that i work a lot with in my coaching business is talking about attachment and it's so funny because people are like well what does my childhood stuff have to do with how i'm showing up at work and the answer is everything you know if you're a person who is avoidant attachment and you're not you know you like to keep people at arm's length you don't like to open up to people or maybe you're just really rigid and create you know you grew up in a home where there was a lot of rules so you didn't know how to connect emotionally you're absolutely going to bring that into work relationships you know an anxious attachment person who is a afraid of rejection and is constantly molding who they are to please others, yeah, they might advance up the ladder for a period of time at work and then one day go, well, who the hell am I and why am I so miserable? So, But nobody's having these conversations in corporate. And I think that that's the next level is to really sort of take that that masculine energy facet of do, 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 achieve, 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 let's go colonize Mars, but actually combine it with that feminine energy need for connection. Is that where the the exponential companies of the future are really going to be created? Well, yeah, because I mean, I think teamwork is, I realize now that ultimately, I used to put self-awareness at the top, and now I actually think it's probably more teamwork because ultimately a lot of people won't do the self-awareness work. And I think without learning how to do teamwork as a soft skill, everything else is lost. Mm. Because your ability to work with other people now is the hardest thing ever because before, if we go back 20, 30, 40 years – you were around people for a really long period of time. So you had a lot of leeway in order to create relationships now with agile teams and things moving around really fast. You don't. But your success depends on those relationships with other people and getting the most out of them. And if you don't figure out how to do that as an employee, as a manager, as a leader, I don't care where you are, you're not going to be successful. And because these compressed times, you have to do what Professor Arthur Aaron did as part of what you do every single day. And if you don't, you won't be as successful. And if we go back and look at the most successful times we've had in our career, whether they're moments or years, you were able to do that or somehow that was facilitated to create really close, great relationships with whomever you had to deal with. And that is when you did your greatest work, right? Let's Mm. forget about how. But let's think about the feeling you had in that moment, right? If we go back to that, that's what it's all dependent on is how do I create that feeling with other people and that feeling towards me? That's where the juice really is. It's not on your own performance level because that's a slippery slope because that's like the salesperson who's great at selling but then a horrible sales manager, which happens all the time, right? So, And all the data shows you that it doesn't really matter your performance level will not help you pass an individual contributor level at all. It, it, in fact, it actually will undo you if you can't bring out the best in other people. The current culture right now, uh, particularly if you look on Instagram and you watch any of the you know air quote influencers, is I can't achieve this teamwork in the office. I can't get my needs met. I'm not safe. My company doesn't care about me. You know, there's a lot of people who believe that. So the answer for them becomes, I got it. I'll go become an entrepreneur. That will solve everything. (laughs) And you and I had an interesting conversation before the interview today that you said if you had had a different experience when you were in your nine to five corporate job, 
that you would not have become an entrepreneur. I think people lose sight that there's also a lot of challenges in going to work for yourself and that a lot of these same things about building safety, building connection with others applies just as much in entrepreneurship as is in corporate America. Could you speak more to a your experience and why you left, but also some of the challenges that you faced and how in some ways it's not any better when you go to work for yourself? Yeah, well, part of it was the fact that I, you know, when I was working corporate America, I got to a point where I just got disenfranchised, I think more so from the people that I was around. Mm-hmm. And and I guess I never really thought about that I had to really surround myself with people that brought out the best in me and sort of interviewed when I was interviewing to interview for the fit for me behaviorally, not just on the company itself. Sure. Well, what is my boss? Do they bring the same values I do? What? What? Uh, how do they work? Right. And I think because I didn't find that, it became this just political battle and people that really I didn't have. Now I had that at other points in times in my career, but over the last few jobs I had, there were just things that ended up happening. So it seemed like being an entrepreneur was the way for me to make it all line up. But I, I think that if I would have had different environments and around different people, I may have looked at it differently because I could have done some great work inside of an organization. I just didn't I didn't have it, right? But in retrospect, I think that it really was true. But also I think the conversations we're having right now, I, I mean, I didn't have when I started doing stuff, you know, seven, eight years ago. So that probably also led to the path that I'm on today. But I also think like a larger picture, whenever things really head way too far to one way or another, they swing left or right, you have to realize that often that's an overcorrection. And an overcorrection is that people are not really seeing things as clearly as they should and have to dive deep. And I think that's part of the challenge is that being an entrepreneur, we still have to do the same thing. I got to create great relationships. I have a different level of headache and challenges of finding clients, dealing with all the rest of this stuff, traveling, working, you know, seven days a week on this thing continually and having to deal with new sets of problems that I didn't have before. So it's just different. It's not necessarily better or worse. It's just not the same. And I think that's the problem. I think a lot of people we talked about this beforehand is that People talk about this entrepreneurism as some great thing, but at the end of the day, if we had to lock people in a room and put you know, tr- a lie detector test on there, you'd find a lot of stuff you're seeing on Facebook and ESPN highlights is not the truth, right? They're dealing <laughs> with the same level of challenges they had before. It's just different. I think people have to realize that. So oftentimes, if you're in a situation where maybe it's not the greatest for you, but you like your work. It's time to start really diving around and asking questions and looking for organizations that, one, start espousing the values and things that you really care about. And then as you start interviewing, it matters more about the people that you're going to work with and start to behaviorally interviewing them, right? In, in not just asking them normal interview questions, but asking hard questions. Like how do you ha- – if people in the team are having a dispute, how, how does that handle on your team? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you do about it? How do you help your people that on your team that you manage how, develop them? Right. Like, how do you help them on their career path? Right. I mean, questions 
right? Tell me about what is your biggest pet peeve? What's your hot button? And if you start asking questions like that in the interviewing process, you're going to find organizations and environments that are much better for you overall, right? It's the same way when I help clients, when they start interviewing behaviorally, they find way better candidates that are high, much higher retention. It's just that most people don't do that because they look at a job and they, they hire for the hard skills. They don't hire for the soft skills and the personality, and a personality test can only tell you so much. It more tells about experience and how they're dealing with stuff behaviorally. Super important point, and I've always believed that back when I was working in corporate and I'd given that advice to other people, that the interview process is just as much you interviewing an employer as it is them interviewing you. It can be the best benefits and you know the, the sexiest company in the world, but if it's not aligned with your values, and particularly your boss is not matched up with your values, you're going to be dead in the water after a few months once the new car wears off, correct? Yeah, exactly. And that happens, right? But often, like, times the other way is entrepreneurism is the same way, right? You have clients, and you're going to have the same problems on that end. It's not it's not some cure-all, solved problem that people wake up like, oh, my God, I'm an entrepreneur. It's the greatest thing ever, right? The people who think that are being led and sold the bill of goods that aren't true. And so I just think that we need to have more conversations about the reality of all of this stuff because it's going to take people longer and longer. When I started out, the word of advice from people was probably it would take you five to seven years to really build a successful, sustainable business. That same conversation changed over the last several years where more people were telling me it's probably going to take you somewhere between 10 to 15 mm. if you don't have it at that point, right, That where you have a seven-figure business that's consistent and scaling growth right now, not stalling but at a really significant clip, right? Well, that changes, that's a pretty hard road to go if someone says, you. well, you know what, it's gonna take you 15 years to build a business where you're not waking up on Saturday night with sweat on your pillow because you're wondering how you're going to grow the business in the next 12 months. Well, you, the question is, do you want that or not? In some ways, it's six of, six of one, a half dozen of the other, right? Like for some people, being in a job that is not aligned with their values, there's struggle in that, obviously. There's struggle in going yes. to bed at night going, oh, is this all there is? Like, is this what I'm working toward? And then, you know, maybe I get to enjoy 10 years after retirement and then I'm dead. But on the other side, in working for yourself... It's not so much struggle, but it's challenge. <laughs> You're more in control of it, but it just depends on what your recipe is. You know, do you want to put in the work and take the personal responsibility for it? Or do you want to, you know, shift, modify, adapt, or, or in some regards, settle and, you know, get the secure paycheck every two weeks? Yeah, and I think it's just something that I know we talked about. I think it's just a conversation that really hasn't been had normally. And I think people need to really think about that because, you know, I've known a bunch of people and some of them have actually helped that have been an entrepreneur go back to corporate America and find the places that actually fit better. And I know that's not what most people would do in a coaching modality or helping consulting with people. But I find often that I'm, people are making these choices because they think it's the only option is to get out. Sure. Right. But it's not. Now, I will tell you, it is still a minor, a very small minority, but they all are out there. Right. If you look at companies like WD-40, they almost have zero turnover in their company. Hmm. And people I've interviewed there love it. I interviewed two mid, one mid and one senior level person. And I asked them a question. I said, what would it take for you to leave your job and go to another company? 
And they all, they both of them said they would have to get at least 50% more in pay because they said they would never find another company like this or a place where people cared about them across the board. And they wouldn't give that up for anything unless it was so significant that because they had families that they would have to choose that over their family. But even then they said they would probably hesitate because they know that money wouldn't buy them long-term happiness. So there are multiple tactical routes to build a career that you love, right? You could stay working for your existing company. You could go find another company that's, you know, that pays more. It's more aligned with your values. You could go to work for yourself. But what we're talking about at the end of the day is the real juice in all this is what are your emotional needs, which for most of us is connection, safety, and trust. And realizing that if you don't know how to build that where you're at until you really know that skill, how to cultivate it, then maybe it doesn't matter what tactic you take. You're going to find yourself back at square one. All roads lead to the same place, right? And I think that the conversation we're having is extremely valuable because I think it's one that probably, if we look at all the podcasts out there, there's probably close to zero that are having them. Maybe there may be one other one. I mean, I think there's probably almost none because that is really the key. If you can't do those things, you can't just leave to go somewhere else and then decide to to figure out that, oh, I'm going to learn this because those are the hardest lessons in life to learn, right? I mean, there's so few people that can do that consistently, right? You could argue that probably sub 1%, right? Maybe a hundredth of a percent of any people out there able to do that, right? I mean, I'm working on this years and it's a struggle to come up with stuff. I have to interview managers, right? Really great manager. I spent time probably interviewing more than a thousand people over the last few years to try to understand what they're doing and all of them are struggling. And they're learning from other people by asking in trial by error to do things, right? And so if I were to do a couple things, if I were an employee, one, I would start to figure out how I can vulnerably share and self-disclose and get other people to do it. The next thing that I would do to give people actually practical things to do is create your own user manual, right? I've seen these where managers and teams do them, where a user manual is, here's how to work with me, right? Here's mm. my hot buttons. Here's my communication style. Here's how I build trust. If you're having a problem with me, here's how to pull me aside and give me hard feedback, right? Here's what I don't like to be challenged on, right? I mean, there's a whole set of questions you can do, and literally, you can create this on your own. You don't need buy-in from your manager. You don't need buy-in from anyone. And literally, you could hand this out to the team and saying, look, I want to make it easier for everyone to work with me on the team. And I know like, a lot of people may not know how to communicate with me well, or maybe they just want to do it better, or maybe they just want additional information just in general, right? Well, I created something that's going to help you be able to work with me better. That's another step in this process that I would start to do would be to send something out like that, right? Which is really, from what I'm hearing you as you explain that, that would be the ultimate vulnerability in the office, right? Like, here's the manual on me, warts and all. This is what I'm great at. This is what I suck at. (laughs) Yeah. Here you go. Let's make it work. (laughs) Yeah, because then people know, right? The problem in most of the situations for teamwork, too, if we look at it, we're guessing, we're trying to predict and analyze. And what happens is we're wrong most of the time. 
And we're typically right about the people that are most like us, right? They think like us and act like us because it isn't as far a stretch. And we're sort of kindred spirits. Well, the problem is that most people are not like that. So you're going to have challenges with probably 90% in some form or another because they don't understand you. Well, explicit communication is the best way, and it's hard for a lot of people to do that. So the other way to do it is to create a user manual, right? I mean, if you're in Ray Dalio's created in his company, you know, a radical candor, right, where people just say what's on their mind. Well, most organizations don't have that, um, and I'm not sure whether that's great or not. It works for them. But you have to do something in order to help other people understand you better, right? And that would be the second thing that I would end up doing, right? And then I think the third thing I would start to do is really invest and understand how do you create great teamwork? How do I create great soft skills? What is my emotional intelligence? Look in my self-awareness, right? And even if you know, you have limited opportunities to do that. And that's only reading books, listening to podcasts or whatever it is. Be way better off served doing that than doing nothing, even if you have zero budget to do this on, right? Because those are incredibly important in order to create teamwork and interact with people better. Even if you don't have the support of your boss, even if you don't have the support of the organization, you can still create it differently in other people. Right. And I would say the fourth thing I would do is I would praise other people and share how much value and impact they have on you. Right. Do Thanksgiving cards coming up to all the people on your team or people you work with, thanking them for helping yeah. you. Right. And tell them why they what they did. Right. How it impacted you and thanking them for stuff. Right. And yeah. doing it in team meetings, too, because what will happen is, is that people will love working with you. Because if you look at all the data, too, people would rather have someone publicly praise them than get money. You all might think that's crazy, but that's what people write down and tell because getting praise from other people and getting thanked is probably one of the things that happens the fewest and the least amount. And think about in your personal life how seldom that actually happens where someone doesn't say I love you. But someone says, I love you because you went out of your way and did X, Y, and Z, and you know, this is the impact that had on me, and I'm grateful for it, right? I mean, that's, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, that doesn't happen to any of us unless we're really fortunate to be in a situation, probably more than a couple handfuls in our entire life. You know, my friend Kristen Hadid, who's been on this podcast, she started basically just as a way to afford to buy designer jeans when she was in college. She started a company called Student Made out of Florida, and she started hiring other college students, and they were cleaning houses. And it's more than a maid service now as it is just like a place of culture and training and giving young people both soft and hard skills for when they go out into the world. But one of the things that she did to incorporate this in her company is they just have a wall where people will post either on post-it notes or grab a piece of paper and you tape it up to the wall. But there's just a wall of praise where people acknowledge their coworkers, acknowledge the people who went the extra mile, somebody who went in, uh, above and beyond the call of duty. But that is just like a foundation of the culture that they built in their company. And it's really helped. And, and their retention rates are crazy. Yeah. And that's a great idea, right? So, I mean, if you just did those four things, you would see a radical change in the next 30, 60, 90 days in how people interacted with you. And if you do it for an entire year, those things alone, you're going to see your performance go up. You're going to make more money. You're going to be better in your career. 
and things are going to look significantly differently, right? Because that will help change all the stuff we're talking about and make it better because that's the root, right? That's, and you'll see it show up and manifest itself on the leaf of the tree, but you'll do it in a way that's consistent and that will give you abundance, right? And so it'll start popping up. You're like, oh my gosh, all these great things are happening. Yeah, because you're looking at the actual roots, right? That's why when people talk about abundance and I'm like, and all these great things happening, I'm like, yeah, because you're doing the right things to feed the tree at the root level. Mm-hmm. So that's why they're all popping up. Otherwise, it wouldn't happen like that. And consistency is a word you've used several times today. But I think that that's important. There are so many companies that yes. might do like the the beach day where they all take a field trip and do three-legged races and have the cookout one day out of the summer to get everybody together. But this has got to be, if not daily, then at least a weekly effort to foster this environment, correct? Yeah. And I mean, I think if you take the lead and you go to your manager and you say things like, hey, can we just, you know, can we go around and have everyone that started the weekly meeting thank someone for helping them in the last month, right? Or... Another exercise could be, I've had teams do this, is that everyone email or text someone outside the team and thank them for helping them and what they did, right? We just went through this. And if you, just, if you do something like that, everyone feels good and everyone getting that text or email in the organization or company feels great to get it, mm. right? And it, it take, and it would take you three minutes to do it. And the effects would be massive for the entire day of production. And that team meeting will be much more productive. Now, you as an employee can suggest that to your manager. And I don't know many managers that say, oh, that's really a dumb idea because you'd be thinking, boy, everyone would be really in a good mood and they'd be more productive. And the manager would say, well, heck, let me try this because what do I have to lose at this point? The meetings are boring and I know it. Well, what can I do to spice them up? And if you gave a couple ideas on how to do it, right, why not? So you can influence people at every level. Sure. Because most people want help, right? Most managers, end of the day, aren't some evil person. They just don't know how to manage other people in need because they're not managing and leading themselves. And organizations do a very poor job of helping them, and their expectations are out of the roof of what they need to do. So if you show and care and give them ideas and be proactive, now not only are you the hero, but you're making everything in your team better, and you're the person that is causing all these things to occur. I love it. Amazing conversation today. Jason Troy, thank you so much for the time. If people want to find you online, what is the best place for them to do it? Sure. They can go to my website. It's jasontroy.com, jasontreu.com. And then you can download Cards Against Mundanity, the game that you can use at Cards Against Mundanity, and it's free. And there's also a card, paid card deck that people can use as well because some people want to have something nicer that they can use. So amazing. Thank you so much for the insights. I think that this is a conversation that uh, I haven't had on this podcast. And like you said, I don't think many people are having. It's an important one. And I thank you for leading the way on it. Hey, thanks a lot. I realized I have a reputation for being the do you hate your job guy. 
And the fact is, there are many people who are stuck in a soul-sucking job where they really need to transition into an entirely new career that adds meaning. But there are so many of some of my best clients and some of my favorite clients who genuinely love the work they're currently doing, but they haven't found that way to bring their most authentic self. They don't feel like they can fully self-express in the workplace, and that is a difficult way to go. So I was so excited that we could have this conversation. It's a very different one than we've had here on the podcast before. And if it's serving you, let Jason and I know. Screenshot the podcast, upload it to Instagram or Twitter. You can find me at CSC Dan Mason, and Jason can be found at Jason Troy, T-R-E-U. Don't forget those honest reviews up on Apple or whatever podcast platform you listen to. Uh, We're running the contest for reviews right now. So we'll pick one lucky person coming up at the end of the first week of October and we will get them their choice of an Amazon gift card or a brand new pair of Apple AirPods. Still time for you to get in there. And if you're looking for some one-on-one support to create a career and a life full of meaning, passion, and more free time, I've got you. VIP coaching spots are open right now. You can apply to work with me at my website, creativesoulcoaching.net. I love you for listening. Thank you so much for being here, and I'll talk to you next week. In the meantime, turn down the volume on your negativity. Turn up the volume on your purpose so you can live life amplified.